Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's a number one new release and a bestseller on Amazon. I'm really excited about this book because it's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. So this journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon to pick up your copy today. If you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. And podcast listeners can always use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Also, I wanted to mention that Deep Leadership is now ranked in the top 2.5% most popular shows out of 2.9 million podcasts globally, according to Listen Score. I wanted to thank each of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top performing show, and I appreciate it. So thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about what it takes to lead a startup business. My guest is Cody Hall, who is a United States Marine Corps veteran and founder and CEO of Octiva Healthcare. Now, if you've wondered what it takes to start and lead a new business, this is your episode. So Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Cody Hall. Cody is the founder and CEO of Octiva Healthcare, which provides telehealth solutions to healthcare providers. He is a United States Marine Corps veteran, and I am excited to have him on the show to learn how he leveraged his military experience to become a successful startup CEO. So, Cody, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really good to meet you, and I'm really excited to hear hear your journey. But before we get into the you know what it's like to be a startup CEO, which I'm anxious to talk about, tell us a little bit about uh, your your Marine Corps background. Why did you decide to join the Marines, and um, what did you do during your time of service? Yeah, so I uh, my entire family has been in every every war and conflict since the beginning of. America. And so I, it wasn't much of an option. I was going to join the Navy, but the Marine Corps would take me quicker. So uh, I was going to go Navy EOD, ended up seeing a recruiter. He's like, I can get you in the boot camp in two weeks and says Marine Corps it is. Uh, so I went to the Marine Corps. Uh, I started off as an ammo tech. And so we call those BB counters. Uh, it's count ammo and hanging out. But uh, then I ended up becoming uh, a recon man. Uh, which was an exciting period of time. I had the opportunity to travel to many parts of the world, some places good, some places bad. 
And uh, I was able to learn a lot of things from my time in the military. So who I am today is at large part because from a lot of uh, recon men who kind of shaped me from things I did well and the things I didn't do well and the lessons they had to teach me. So, yeah. If you were to summarize like maybe one or two life lessons you learned from your time of service, what, what would they be? Uh, very. Uh, the first one that pops in mind is just because you have an answer doesn't mean someone wants to hear it. Um, and so that's a really, I always have an answer for everything. Uh, and still to this day, I have one. Um, but sometimes it's a, a, a response isn't warranted. And so, um, and then I have to say that um, when things are tough, they, they can get tougher. Um, so enjoy where you are. And there's always, and there's always darker before the dawn. So the sun will eventually rise again. Uh, so I think, and so when you think things, oh, it can't get any worse. Don't say that it could get much worse. Just enjoy where you're at and take account for the things that you do have, the benefits you do have, and then just wait for it to, uh, increase or for you to better your own position. So. Excellent. Well, we're going to get into your startup journey a little bit, but I'm sure that helped, uh, in, at least in, in my startup journey, those are good skill sets to have. So very, very. <laughs> so, um, but you, you also, I was looking at your uh, your background, all the things you did. You you spent a lot of time in HR management as well, and I was just curious, where did you develop this passion to, towards uh, HR and also leadership? Where did where do you think that came from? You know, I think leadership was something that. Uh, I felt strongly towards after my time in the military. Uh, I've had great military leaders, um, but I've also had a lot of bad ones. And it's not that they weren't great at leading the tasks they were leading. I see leadership, a leader as someone who's well-rounded, uh, not just mission-oriented, task-oriented, and accomplishing the mission, but what do you have once the mission's complete, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, taking that interest into my time after the military, I went to Apple, which is an organization that really cares about the people. And I started understanding fully in different I, different ideologies of leadership, how to be more of a situational leader and kind of really adapting to every type of person that you're leading and the situations that you're leading them in. Uh, really got me into HR and how that people are the center of every organization, the lifeblood of our operations. And I think that that's something that, you know, I took for a while and really enjoyed in the HR world. So that's kind of how I got into HR. It started off with an interest in people at Apple. Excellent. Excellent. You know, and and then, you know, it, it, towards, you know, the later part of your career now, you've made this pivot towards healthcare. And so I'm curious to know, you know, uh, what led you down into the healthcare world? Because, you know, prior to that, you really didn't spend a lot of time there, but you've made made the shift. You work for one company, you started another company. Why healthcare? Yeah, uh, well, I was in tech for a while. And this is not taking anything from what technology companies add to our lives. However, uh, the organization I was at was really just trying to build a better mousetrap for our money. Uh, how can we get people to download it? How can we do in-app purchases? And so I saw it more as a, a way of really not to help people's life, but kind of hurt it at times because I saw a lot of horror stories of people spending $60,000 on an application, like in purchase. Uh, and it was a lot of crazy stories there. And so I really want to go a different direction and figure out how I can make a positive impact on people. And I found that in a, a couple organizations, one in particular, Titanium Healthcare, and the way they're really redefining the way healthcare takes place. You know, the CEO is a submariner as well from the Cold War. 
uh, ah. era. And I know, right? I, I don't hold it against him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was a, a guy who really wanted to do things different. Him and I had a distaste for uh, bureaucracy and for the status quo. And uh, I jumped on board with him for who he was and who the leadership of the organization was and what they're trying to accomplish. Interesting. So he didn't like bureaucracy. And what was the other thing? Uh, status quo. Just like, status this is quo. what we're supposed to do. And this is how it's going to go. And this is the best we can do at it. And so he's like, nope, we can do different. So <laughs> I like that. Those are two healthy, good, good, healthy skills for a leader. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Especially as a, as a, in a small company, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Bureaucracy is a, yeah. is, is a death blow. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Gotta stay nimble. <laughs> yep. So you, uh, then you started your own company. And so you started Octiva Healthcare. Um, what was the, you know, what was the genesis of that? Why did you see the opportunity? Uh, why did you feel like there's, there's this chance that we can build something special in this industry? Tell us a little bit about the origin story. Yeah, I think that it's a mixture of a couple of things. And I think it was the idea that I was seeing a value in telehealth. And this was before it was cool with COVID. Um, and I was thinking like, man, you know, this is how we can really bridge these social determinants of health, which are social environments that impact people's health care. Uh, we can bridge this with technology, uh, with video and audio. Uh, why aren't we doing that? And this is how we really get care and uh, health care uh, equality where it needs to be to make sure we can eliminate some of the very avoidable inequities that take place. And so that's kind of where the idea uh, it came from. You know, Gray Miller, the CEO of Titan Healthcare, he also knows me well because him and I are very similar. Uh, and that he's like, you know, Cody uh, has been a great leader of my organization the past two years, but he really needs his own ship to sail. Um, I'm not saying that I'm unhirable. Uh, however, if you do hire me, you need to let me be free uh, to achieve the mission that you've hired me to achieve. Uh, I don't do well with being hired and told exactly what to do because then you should have done it yourself. And so uh, this was an opportunity for me to take this idea and for the organization at Titanium to do a joint venture with another partner. So we pulled some funding together and then I took off on defining what the organization was going to do. So that's kind of how it came. my idea, other people's money and a little motivation from, from a mentor. You know, you said something that's really interesting there. And, and, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit. You said... You generally uh, don't like to be told what to do. You 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 know, like give me the give me the the mission. I'll carry out the mission, but don't micromanage me. Don't tell me how to how to achieve yeah. it. I want freedom uh, as a leader to be able to bring my best uh, and to bring the best people in the best way to achieve that goal. And it's very interesting that you say that because that's that's the way I think too. And that's why I didn't last. Uh, I lasted twenty two years in corporate, and then I had to get out. I had to start my own company yeah. because I felt. I felt like I was always put in a box. And what's interesting is that most people who hear that you're ex-military will always say, well, you're used to a command and control type of environment. So why do you think that we're not that way? <laughs> because I always like, I'm like, no, and that's just the opposite of what uh, I experienced in the military. Uh, we were allowed to bring our best and, and to solve problems the best way we could. But uh, that's kind of interesting that you sort of have that same mindset. Why do you think, do you think that came from the military? Where do you think that came from? Uh, I've always been on my own program, as we refer to as OFP in the Marine Corps. Uh, so, but, and I do say there's parts of the military that are like, hey, listen, this is your lane. You stay in it because I said stay in it. Um, 
I think uh, my tenureship in the military was extended because I got with the recon teams uh, and they allow a more freedom of thought. But even there, uh, I was a little bit more uh, eccentric in all my own program than most in that community as well. Uh, and I think most of it comes down to this idea that uh, the teams and the recon, they definitely want you to be referred to as individual operators, right? They want you to bring everything that you have to the team to make a small team capable. Uh, and that's where we are at startups. And that's where I am in the way I like doing things. Uh, I'm very good at doing what I'm told when I need to do what I'm told. Uh, and however, uh, if things need to be done differently and I'm being told to do something because it's what we've always done, uh, that's heresy. Uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, my thought process is, is we hire great people to be great, not to do what we tell them to do, uh, because then we're hiring them to be what we are. And so when I hire folks on my organization and when people hire me or bring me on as a leader, they're bringing me on because they're like, you know what? I may not always agree with what this person is going to do. I will break some eggs. Definitely. Uh, but we will accomplish the mission. And I think that's what uh, I like that individual thought process to it. And I it find success in my organization. My teams find success in it, hire good people, and then let them do what they're supposed to. I love that. Yeah, I've said that uh, often myself. So I absolutely love that. Um, so tell us a little bit about Octiva. What do you do there? And what makes your uh, value proposition so unique in the market? Yeah, so we do, I think the best way to describe Octiva is we support patients in motion. And so I look at every individual uh, hospital clinic as its own island. Uh, Octiva is supporting people as they're hopping islands, as they're on the bridges and they're on the boats moving to different parts of healthcare. In those transitions, oftentimes the resources, the guidance, and the medical support isn't necessarily present for all the patients. And so our value proposition, the way that we're different is we come in and we support entire populations during transition. Uh, When most organizations who come in and do transitional care, they support a very niche group, um, oftentimes the Medicare patients. Uh, We come in and we support the entire population that's transitioning out of hospitals uh, versus saying we'll support these eight patients uh, as they leave your hospital, we'll support these 250 patients. And what we do is th- the economics of it get a little complicated, but we approach it in a way that really dilutes what we would find in revenue from the higher paying patients to cover patients that oftentimes don't have coverage. And so we make less by supporting more, but we make a larger impact on the community and on the patient population. Okay. That makes sense. And so what are the resources that you would have inside your company? Are they, are they nurses, healthcare, uh, yeah. basically healthcare providers, people that are manning the phones to, to, or, or manning a, a video or phone to answer questions that for these transitioning patients? Yeah, we have a variety of different types of support elements. Uh, we have administrative, we have care coordination, which are folks who just know how to navigate the system. Who have, we have various bundles of networks in our different communities that give us back doors to cheaper medications, transfer, transportation, things like that. Uh, and then we have a virtual network that we operate uh, of independent uh, professional corporations that are their, their own physicians that provide telesupport for us. So depending on what specialties we need, psychiatry, uh, different types of intensivist care, 
as well as immune therapy. We, we have a variety of specialists that support our patients in transition. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of uh, human resources are involved in making this all happen. A lot of people, and you know, it's a it's a big operation, uh, and it has a a minimal viable volume that we're working towards to become profitable. Like just today, I discovered that one of our uh, the, the biggest hospital company in the United States is going to move forward with us. They did, we just finished their compliance review after ten months. <laughs> so we've been going with lots of legal fees, but we're, we've been approved. So our organization is going to grow substantially in the next couple of months. That's fantastic. That's great news. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, so I, uh, what were some of the um, challenges and maybe I'll specifically say, what are some of the leadership challenges you faced as you got this, you know, company from zero to where you're at today? Yeah, I think it's carrying the enthusiasm. Uh, I, I reference a quote from Winston Churchill and success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Yeah. And, um, and I think that is something that is all too applicable to my situation. You know, we can go months at a time without signing a new contract and the idea of staying in that battle ready mindset can be difficult because you're like, oh, it's been about four or five months to sign a new contract you know, are we hitting our own version of stagflation here? <laughs> so are we are we pausing here? Are we hitting a plateau? And I think that um, oftentimes remaining enthusiastic, being the, the optimist leader for the organization can be difficult at times. Uh, but, you know, I've been in this uh, compliance review since October of last year. And, you know, constantly telling the team, like, this is coming, this is coming, we got to prepare for this. Let's maintain innovation. Let's maintain commitment to you know our twenty four hour operations. You know, being enthusiastic for long periods of times without incremental reasons to be enthusiastic can be very difficult. You know, especially when you have the bosses and the boards beating down from above. You have the team beating down from below, uh, saying, "When are we going to do this? When are we going to do this?" And they're like, "When are you going to do this?" <laughs> so. Um, I think maintaining enthusiasm is, is definitely one of the hardest pieces, especially in healthcare, because you're subject to the environment. You know, Octiva is a very small boat on a very big river. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. 
You know, you touched on that, and that's really been my journey as well, too. You're, you have this interesting role you play, as you mentioned, enthusiasm. You're the cheerleader for the organization. You're the salesman uh, to what this company is, whether it's you're talking to customers, you're talking to vendors, you're talking to your employees, you're talking to your investors, you're, you're cheerleading all the time. Yeah. But the other side of it is you you have to face the reality of the current situation, right? <laughs> like I got to make payroll next week, right? Like yes. I'm rah, rah, boom, boom. Everything's great. We're moving forward. Just one more month, one more, one more deal. Uh, but yet in the back of the mind, you're facing like, oh shoot, I hope that we get this. I, and, you know, and so there's, there's some doubts in your mind, at least in my mind, as I'm running my company. So, so tell me, how do you deal with that, that conflict of being one way almost on stage, if you will, but making sure behind the scenes uh, that you're, you take care of your own mental health and, and physical health? And, and how, do you, how do you maintain that balance? Because I know it's a bit of a challenge for startup CEOs. Yeah, I think that um, knowing in this world until you live it, understand how exhausting being a startup CEO is, um, in, and I say that to the CEOs who are in charge of a large organizations who've never been startup CEOs, uh, because you're exactly you, you battle with the realities, uncertainty, and failure every day. I think about it every day. I dream about it every night. Uh, it keeps <laughs> me awake sometimes, and I'm sitting there trying to spend time with my family. And the mouth is moving, the activities are going on. But in the back of my mind, I'm asking myself, you know, are we going to be here in seven months? Uh, you know, what, what's going to happen with my team? What's going to happen when this contract doesn't come through? And so uh, I haven't always been the best at self-care, uh, but I've actually been in therapy every week for a year now where I see a, an executive therapist and coach specifically for um, CEOs and, and veterans. And so I, I talked an hour and a half every day on Thursdays. And that's times it's sometimes it's for me and it's about me and what I'm facing internally. Sometimes it's navigating relationships. Um, but having that opportunity to focus on the headwinds that I'm facing. And sometimes in all honesty, I just need someone to absolutely with zero shame complain to. Uh, about the most petty things in the entire world that I can't do anything about but or say anything to anyone else about, but you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to be that petty person for the next few moments because this is my safe spot to do this without being CEO, without being husband, without being dad or any of those things. I'm really glad that you said that because I think you're right. We, It can be a lonely job being in the role of a startup CEO where, you know, you feel like you're on an island. So you said something that's really important is have a resource, have somebody, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a uh, a peer completely outside of uh, your, your work environment, someone that you can have those conversations with, uh, you know, like you said, unload, just, just, you know, have that you know, this is what, this was, what was, was a week and, and, you know, all, yeah. and go, you know, and just kind of go through all that you're going through, because I think you need that to be able to relieve that pressure. Otherwise, you know, that's why some CEOs have a burnout because they, they take mm-hmm. so much load on their shoulders for so long and they're trying to make, you know, make everything happen and keep, keep all the, 
you know, the cats aligned, right? And then and keeping everything working and uh, it can lead to a lot of stress. So I think it's great that you have an outlet like that. And, and, you know, leaders who are listening in and you're in that kind of situation, who's your outlet? What do you, where do you spend your time just being yourself and having someone you can talk to that maybe is not a spouse and maybe is not a, uh, someone in your business that you can just, you know, unleash (laughs) and have those conversations. Those are real conversations. So I'm glad to it's hear you it's hard, it's hard being everything to everyone all the yeah. time. Yeah. And so, you know, and this isn't applied to, to all men out there, but, you know, oftentimes we're the head of the household, the problem solver of life there. And then you're a CEO startup and you're sitting there and you're the, you're the solution to everyone all the time. Everyone's looking for that answer. And so it could be a lot. So you definitely need that resource. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how would you say your your military journey? We touched on a little bit, but but just your experiences in the military, how they have helped you uh, navigate, you know, this whole startup of life that you're living right now. Yeah, I have a high tolerance for things I don't like, uh, so <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, yeah. I call it the I call it the the, the get over it factor. Um, you know, I don't always like. Uh, my peers, my fellow directors, uh, I'm, I'm on my own board. Uh, I don't always like the environment that I'm in or the people I'm working with. And it's not that it's fundamentally them. Sometimes it's just the flavor of the week, uh, the environment that we're in. Uh, but I think that my time in the military uh, has given me the ability to suffer uh, and not in silence. Uh, I don't believe suffering in silence is a healthy way of going about it. But, but suffering with a smile uh, will go about that way. And I think that inside I could be losing my mind, uh, but on the surface, calm and collective. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what the military gave me the ability to do. It, it gave me the ability to suffer and to endure uh, things that oftentimes would break people. Uh, yeah. I think what, yeah. what the challenges that I can face, the, the changes that get thrown at me that are unexpected, that would break other people. I've seen it break other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just an everyday, it's a Wednesday to me, right? Yeah. And so, and I think that's what's something that comes from the military. Uh, we are conditioned to endure hardship. We talk about hitting the wall and keep going. You know, you're, you're hitting your limits and guess what? The fight's not over yet, right? Mm-hmm. And I hit my limits all the time with Activa. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm by myself, right? And so I have to say, well, keep going. You know, this wasn't the last wall. You have more walls to walk through. But the military has given me that ability to really uh, endure things at a higher level. Uh, I think what helps me is the way I've adapted it with not enduring it in silence. I think enduring in silence is what plagues our community sometimes. You know, we don't always have to be the silent, tough person. Uh, I think talking about and having those outlets are very important. Uh, But I've modified it in a healthy way to adapt for what I needed in the military and now and uh, entrepreneurship. Ah, fantastic. You know, it's funny because as you were talking through that, all I could think of was my number one thing I look for when I hire people in my startup, and that is uh, grit. I want some, I want you to tell me stories of how you have overcome hardship in your life. And I do tend to hire a lot of veterans for that very reason is because they have had to endure a lot of tough things and they've been able to motor through despite the obstacles. And uh, I think that's what I look for in, um, in my employees only because, 
you know, we're going into the unknown seas. I'm not a $40 billion company, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we're going to have ups and downs and we're going to have, you know, we're going to have challenges along the way. And I'm yeah. looking for people that are not going to fail and falter when things get hard. And I think that sounds like you, you, you've developed that grit in your time in the military and you'll apply it today in your company. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. What would you say if you look at you uniquely as a leader, what makes you effective as a leader? I, I think it's my general calmness. Um, I regardless um, now I'll put, I'll put 98% of the time. All right. Cause I have my freak out moments too. Um, <laughs> so 98% of the time, regardless of what's going on or how big these circumstances are, uh, whether it's mistake or the unknown, I'm calm, logical, collective, and I'm able to articulate the steps forward. You know, my, and this comes from the military. Uh, it's the ability to say, Hey, listen, you know, you just start taking fire. Uh, it's being able to now pause understanding or, you know, are we moving forward? Are we engaging? Are we breaking contact? What's the plan? What's the strategy? And I think the ability to think quick and think logically and not to be emotion driven uh, is something that makes me an effective uh, leader. I can be emotional like everyone else and I apply the right levels of emotion when those situational leadership moments come about that need emotion. Um, but I think that my particular effectiveness is being calm and collective. That I, I've been around people running around with head, their hair is on fire. And I'm just like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 and we're going to go forward. And I think that's what makes me really effective. And I think that's contagious in the, in the organization. I think, um, you know, it's the idea of responding to challenges versus reacting to them. And, and so if right. you've got the kind of boss that's every little problem is, you know, sends him or her out of control, then the whole organization becomes just, uh, you know, emotional, chaotic, chaotic and, and just running from one thing to another because the boss is upset yeah. about one thing or another. I think the idea of, of, you know, you know, calm is contagious, you know, so if you can maintain calm, you know, me being a Navy guy, you know, when the storms hit and, you know, and, and the, you know, the sub was getting tossed around, I noticed everybody's looking at the captain, like, is he got this thing? You know, if he starts looking worried, then I'm worried, right? So, <laughs> you know, in the tough times, people are looking at the leader and what are they going to do? And if you're panicking, that's not a good sign. So I think the idea of calm mm -hmm. under pressure is a big, big, good, a uh, big leadership trait that I think we need to have, especially in these startup scenarios. Yeah, you know, I, I it's been a while, but I remember this one time when I was at Amazon and I was leading the HR team there and someone got hit by a car in the parking lot. Okay. So this person on the HR team ran in frantically saying, Oh my goodness, someone was hit by a car. And I was like, all right, all right, you go with the medic. Cause we have medics on staff at Amazon and then we'll walk out there and we'll see what's going on. And they're like, all right. So they start running. I'm like, wait, let's not run. Let's walk. But, but they got hit by a car. I'm like, are they bleeding? No. Are they dying? No. No need to increase the opportunity for another issue right, by right. one of us get, getting hurt. And funny enough, I was actually reported to HR's HR for being too calm, right? Because I respond saying, no one's dying, no need to rush, right? No one's dying here. And I think that's what I tell the team all the time. Like, listen, you know, there are patient situations at Octiva that get that are involving people's, you know, longevity. That happens. I'm not involved into those things. That's the chief medical officer's job. <laughs> right. So, but with me, uh, people aren't dying. 
right? With me, yeah. it's 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 money, right? It's 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 the organization's you know profit margin, the cost, and no one's dying here. So therefore, everything else just breathe and press forward. Yeah. I like that. I know, you know, a lot of times people will worry in my company, they'll worry about something that's going to happen, you know, or could happen. And uh, I always say that it's, uh, you know, it's not a problem until it's a problem. And right now it's not a problem. <laughs> and, and it's just, they, it's one of those things where they go, all right, that's a good point. So, you know, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, a calm, you know, we have to be calm and we got to take, you know, it's, it's the idea of responding versus reacting. And I think that's a, that's a powerful leadership trait. Absolutely. Uh, especially in, uh, especially in a, in, a, in an early stage company like you have, um, you know, as you look through your career, um, what are, what are, what are some things or maybe people that inspired you to be the leader that you're at today? Hmm. You know, I really want to reference Snoop Dogg here um, and say that I of like course. to thank me, thank me for all my hard work. I like <laughs> to thank me for my long hours. Um, no, partially, no. Um, I say that there's many people throughout the world uh, in history that have inspired me to be who I am as a leader, uh, whether it's people like Churchill, Reagan, Theodore Roosevelt, like I love Theodore Roosevelt, one of my favorite presidents. Um, but really, I think it's a combination of many people and many personalities. There's not one person who I'd say that person inspired me because that person doesn't exist. You know, I came from nothing. I've been self-motivated, inspired my entire life. And it's truly me who's kind of really been my own critic. Uh, regardless of what I do, no one will criticize me harder than I will myself. Uh, if someone says, oh, you did this, so I'm like I will beat myself up harder than anyone. So I've gotten to the type of leader I am at today uh, from a lot of influences and, and great quotes and great leaders, but no one, one in particular. Okay, interesting. And I do think that we do that. I always say, you know, we, we learned in the Navy, you know, learn something from every leader you work from, the good ones and the bad yes. ones. You know, you you yes. become, you know, if you're if you're smart throughout your career, you're picking all the best qualities of the best leaders you work from and you, and you realize all the bad bad qualities of the worst bosses you work for. You're like, I'm not going to do those and I'm going to do those and you end up being sort of this you know, uh, you know, you, you end up being a uh, a version, a connected version of, of all these different leaders that you work for. And if you're smart in your okay. career, you become this, you know, conglomeration of, of of leadership traits. Yeah. A quote I said is, "I've learned to be the leader I am today by avoiding all the poor mistakes I've witnessed." And so, <laughs> you know, I've I've seen leaders make really poor decisions. Like, well, don't do that. I don't want to do that. And so mark that as something I'm not going to do. And I think by all the things I'm not going to do has left me with the pile of things that I focus on. Hmm. I like it. So what advice would you give to other leaders who might be, you know, maybe struggling to get the most from their team, their, their, maybe their level of influence isn't where they want it to be. Maybe they're not achieving their goals. What any, what a piece of advice would you give to those, those leaders? Well, those leaders in particular, my, my favorite piece of advice is, is know what you want and what you're not willing to do to achieve it. And it's one of my favorite pieces because I think that helps us identify what our limitations are. Uh, you know, like me, for example, my only rule is I don't violate laws because I don't do well in prison. So I want to avoid that at all costs. Right. And so other than that, there's nothing, there's no long nights, hardship that I won't endure to achieve what I want. Um, but I would say, 
that for those who are out there wondering or going through harder times or or hiccups or plateaus, I think it's a time to assess why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and sometimes when people do that, they decide to walk away from things. They decide to do things differently uh, or things take on a new meaning. Uh, I myself recently, uh, you know, went through a, a divorce and I was a second one for me because I've been a entrepreneur at the expense of everyone around me for the last decade. Uh, and that's with absolutely impunity towards anything. It's just the fact that I focus on my work and it takes a wear on people. But now it's something that I realize uh, in my current relationships and things that I'm not willing to sacrifice my personal life anymore, my personal growth and well-being for the sake of an organization. And what does that mean? It means I have new limitations. And so my understanding of why I do things has taken on new meaning. Mm. Uh, before it was, is, well, I want to achieve this much net worth. I want to be this title. And then those things mean absolutely nothing to me now. Uh, I think about the impact that Octiva has on people whose names I don't know and whose families I'm not a part of. And I think about what I'm able to do from the flexibility of r- running and owning my own company. And I take those things as value. And you know how much money and things like that, they just don't have the value they used to have with me anymore. And so when I took my own reassessment and really realigned what I'm seeking to get out of my career and out of my job. I think that's fantastic. I think you just nailed it, which is what is your why? What, what why are you showing yeah. up every day? And I do I do like the fact that you've now, you know, as you said, you've reassessed and you're looking for a more, you know, more, more holistic view versus a, you know, singular view versus career finances and what have you. So that's fantastic to hear. And again, that's not unusual to hear that uh, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, the mil- the military, the submarine community was just full, full of divorce. I mean, it was just if the yeah. people were dedicated to that, that <laughs> that job is not uh, didn't lead well uh, towards um, you know long marriages. And the same thing with the startup community; it's just it's known for it. And and I was just talking to a good friend, an army. Uh, he's an he's an army veteran, and he's been involved with several startups, and he's also been involved with several wives too. So <laughs> so. You know, it's just, it's part of it. And, and I think, like you said, now, what is your why and your why has shifted, but you know what your why is now. So that's good. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So um, this has been fascinating. I really enjoyed uh, this discussion and, and meeting you and hearing your story. How can people find out more about you and your company? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn for slash C-O-D-H-A-L, um, Cody Hall, uh, more about Octiva Healthcare. We're also on LinkedIn. That's where we're predominantly focused, as well as ActivaHealthcare.com. We'll give you the gist of everything you need. And if you want to know more, you can always just reach out to me. I'm fairly quick at responding, and uh, I, I love chatting more about. I love mentorship. I love being a mentor and helping people realize what they want and how to get to where they want in life. And so whether I know you or I don't know you, I think that as a, as a fellow entrepreneur, as a fellow veteran, uh, I'm here to support everyone to to hopefully live our own best lives, be our best selves, and to impact society and others the, in the best way possible. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we'll go ahead and put links in the show notes for those resources. And Cody, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey, yeah. sharing your experiences, and sharing your insight on what it takes to to lead a startup company. So thanks for being on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. 
Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.